Welcome to Zila Food. Zila is the German word for soul, so soul food, but Zila food. This podcast is in conjunction with Zila Magazine, an online magazine bridging faith, cultures, and culture. I'm Ali Porti, an American Southern girl who travels and loves talking to people. I'm bringing you conversations from global movers and shakers from somewhere in the world. From these conversations, hopefully you'll be inspired to move and shake too. Thanks for spending time with me today. I hope you get fed. So let's begin. So I recently had the honor of sitting down and chatting with Eric Goss. Um, He is the CEO and co-founder of Minnow, a Nashville-based media and technology company that's focused on serving Christian kids and families through ad-free subscription video on demand, like a platform service. And um, it's amazing to see how um, God orders the steps of people's lives because nothing just happens. And it's all very strategic that from Eric's early, like the foundational setup of his career, going to the U.S. Naval Academy and then serving in the U.S. military, Um, was the beginning step by step of God leading him to focusing on children's spirituality because um, Jesus focused a lot of of a time and attention on children and just because a human is a baby or a toddler or a child a kid doesn't mean that they don't have spirituality and this is an area that they need ministry tools as well, like the adults. Uh, so that's what Eric focuses on. Uh, he earned a reputation as an innovator in digital marketing in a little company called Amazon, where he was instrumental in launching Amazon's first ebook print on-demand business and then he also was instrumental with Amazon's Visa credit card and then the now famous super saver shipping program that they have and then he later served as chief marketing officer at magazines.com and this expertise coupled with his passion for for ministry led Eric to co-found the Creative Trust Ventures where he ran Jelly Telly and launched the best-selling video series called Buck Denver Asks What's in the Bible, a success that led him to create Minnow. Um, But as I said before, his steps have been divinely orchestrated by God, and he began um, his career in the U.S. Navy where he served as a helicopter pilot and later as a spokesperson at the Pentagon in Washington. Um, And then preceding that, he went to the U.S. Naval Academy, and that was the foundation of his journey preparing him for leadership in the military and then later in the private sector. So in addition to Minnow, he is an adjunct professor for digital marketing at Vanderbilt University's Owen Graduate School of Management, and he and his wife and their three daughters live in Nashville, where they are active in their local church, and uh, he is involved in the Nashville Institute for Faith and Work. So um, be inspired by this interview with Eric Goss, who is a... U.S. Naval cadet turned U.S. Navy helicopter pilot turned spokesperson at the Pentagon turned digital marketing private sector um, 
who was instrumental in the private sector in companies like Amazon turned co-founding Minnow, this company that really focuses on uh, producing content and resources for children's spirituality digitally. Uh, that's a blessing to churches around the world. Yeah, be inspired. And um, let's not forget about kids and the importance that Jesus placed on them. Yeah, thank you again, Eric, for being able to be a part of uh, Zayla Magazine's podcast. Uh, we focus on faith, cultures, and culture, and how people are doing some pretty extraordinary things uh, for the body of Christ in all different kinds of in industries and sectors. So thank you. Thank you. Of course. So um, where did the idea of Minnow stem from? Yeah, it's interesting because I, I think Minnow is really a combination of a variety of experiences that I've had. And so I started my career out in the in the military. I served as in the Navy as a helicopter pilot and a spokesperson at the Pentagon and then um, ended up having the opportunity to go to business school. And then in, and, and then my first job out of business school was working for this little e-commerce startup that everyone thought was going to go bankrupt called Amazon <laughs> and uh, and uh, spent seven years at Amazon and, and had a really great opportunity to work on a variety of digital initiatives. During that whole time, um, you know, God's always played a major role in my life. I grew up spiritually with the Navigators and have had the opportunity to, to be involved in church planting. Um, and, you know, my family has historically been involved in small churches and trying to help them sort of get off the ground. And and so one of the things I recognize in the midst of all that is one of the areas that most churches really struggle with is what does it mean to help um, develop spiritual lives of, of children? Um, and most parents feel, most parents struggle with their own spirituality, much less kind of thinking through how do I help that um, develop in the lives of my children? And, and you know, the Lord impressed that upon me, but, but I I didn't really think much about it. And then I moved um, from Seattle to Nashville to be in a better position to care for my mom. And in the process of being in Nashville, um, had someone approach me about working on some um, faith-based media projects, which I decided to help out with. I felt like the Lord was really calling me to use my gifts and talents, um, you know, to do things that I felt like were more directly impacting the kingdom. And um, in the process, had to work, um, got a chance to work with Phil Vischer, who created VeggieTales, to help him launch a project called Buck Denver Ask What's in the Bible that really um, walks families through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. And Phil did an incredible job. It's probably one of the best overviews of the Bible that's out there. But, but what I recognized, and this was probably um, in the like 2012, 2013, 2014, what I recognized is, um, as I talked to Christian parents, they really didn't know where to find more products. They were looking for more media products for their kids. Mm -hmm. um, and then when I talked to Christian creatives, people who actually had ideas to bring products to market, they had no way to actually commercialize them because Christian retail didn't really work anymore. And, um, and it was really hard um, to sell a product on Amazon to build awareness for a product because Amazon and the e-commerce platforms um, that we have today are so driven by um, people knowing what they're looking for. 
And so, um, and so when I worked, worked through that, I thought about a lot of the early work that I did on digital initiatives at Amazon. I had a chance to launch the first ebook business at Amazon and the first print on demand business at Amazon, working with um, uh, digital text and, and being able to manufacture those books for customers on demand. I just recognized that there was an opportunity to build a platform that could really be a, a, um, a destination for Christian families who are looking for content. But then at the same time, um, if we had enough Christian families show up um, and, and take an interest in a, in a platform like that, then um, we could actually create the opportunity to fund um, new programming for Christian creatives and to be able to be a source of funding for them for the type of projects they want to bring to life. And, and you know, and, and, and the other kind of major component to this, the, the, the name Minnow actually is based on John 15, um, the Greek word for abide, when Jesus is saying, if you abide in me and I abide in you, um, the Greek word for abide is um, meno, M-E-N-O. And so one, kind of at the heart of this is what can we do to create a platform not to help people just have the right beliefs or to know the right things, but really to experience Jesus in their day-to-day -day lives? Um, because so many families, I think, struggle um, with what does it mean to actually find, you know, the living waters that Jesus promises um, because we're, you know, bombarded as families with a secular culture that just doesn't acknowledge that God exists. Um, and, and so we really wanted to create a place where families could come, know that their, their, their point of view, what they believe about the world would be supported. But really, what could we do to create a platform that would um, serve as a catalyst for conversations between parents and kids uh, about Jesus um, and to really foster the spiritual growth in the family? That's a, that's really an amazing uh, overview um, of what the company does. I want to back up just a little bit because when I read your bio, that what came to mind is that your steps have been divinely ordered for the time or for the level that you're at in life now to where God has you, that it's not by chance um, that you were at the U.S. Naval Academy and then you were in the U.S. Navy and then at Amazon and your professor as well. Um, can you speak a little bit on life's journey and the calling that God puts on a person's life? So I'm sure that if you go around the U.S. Naval Academy now, well, it's quarantine now, but pre-quarantine or post-quarantine, when you have cadets walking around or students walking around the college campus or Maybe those who don't go to university who are 18, 19, 20, who are thinking, what am I going to do with my life? Or even for the U.S. military soldier in their 20s or 30s thinking, okay, maybe they really love their job, but they know that they are still called for something else later. Can you speak a little bit on calling and life's journey and trusting God's divine steps in a person's life? Yeah, I think that's a great question, Allie. I, I, um, and I've struggled with this a lot in my life, and and I feel like the Lord has revealed a lot to me over the last three to four years as we've been trying to get Minnow off the ground. And so, you know, I, I think I think we we live in a world that says that there are certain paths that we have to go down, and if we don't go down those paths, we're going to be unhappy or unsatisfied. Mm -hmm. And and I think that creates a real tension in people's lives because they feel like I can get it wrong and I'm going to screw my life up. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And, and I think one of the things that's so important to remember um, as we think about following Christ is there's no condemnation in the Lord. And, and I think about Romans 8, um, where Paul is talking about the fact that we have no condemnation in Christ. And I love what Eugene Peterson translates that in his version of the Bible, um, the message, where he says, um, um, the dark cloud that hangs over us has been removed. Um, and so first, I think there's so much, we live in a world that's, that's basically its primary focus is optimization. What can you do to have the most efficient path to realize, you know, those things that you need to realize? And and I think um, if if you look at the Bible and you look at what um, the journey that God puts most of us on, it's rarely it's rarely kind of clear and linear. Um, there's ups and downs, there's wilderness experiences, there's mountaintop experiences. And, and I think what, what's really important to communicate, and I, 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 I've got three teenage girls, and I see the pressure that they feel about, hey, I want to get my life right. And what I try to share with them is, first, God is asking us to live today um, and, and stay focused on today. And tomorrow, we don't even know if tomorrow's going to happen. And so there's a lot of like, how do I manage the uncertainty of life? And, um, and I'm reminded of a, a passage from my utmost uh, for his highest um, Oswald Chambers devotional where he says that um, we are all trying to manage uncertainty, which is basically common sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reality is the only certainty that we have in our lives is God's presence. And so as we rely on the certainty of God's presence in our life, then we can be freed up. Um, to basically recognize what's next and, and, and not so much pay attention to what we think is most important or what we're hearing is most important from the world, but really to be attuned to what God's doing. And so, and then, you know, my advice on that front is really try to, to you know, for folks to really listen to God and to um, actively wait on him. I think we have a tendency to think being patient and waiting on God is we sort of sit, sit, sit in our rooms, read our Bibles and twiddle our thumbs. And, and my experience has been um, when I am in a period of waiting, trying to see what the Lord's revealing, there's a sense of working in community. So um, the Holy Spirit works um, in unity, as, as one of my friends says, um, God's not in conflict with himself. And so if if the Holy Spirit is filling the lives of believers, there should be some unity of points of view. And so I think oftentimes we think it's our job to figure this stuff out by ourselves. And we need to we need to do that in community. Um, and then second is is to listen to the Lord and reflect on what feelings we have. I think, again, we have a tendency to be very rational in this day and age. And oftentimes, you know, God works through our emotions and our feelings. And I think part of it is taking a look at where's the Lord prompting me to move um, and, and where should I where do I feel like the Lord kind of guided me? Where do I feel the people who I care most deeply about um, communicating and affirming in my life? And so I, I think, you know, again, we have a tendency to be highly rational about these things in our day and age. And as I always say, you know, even with Menno, um, one of the challenges is we're a business that partners with the supernatural. Mm-hmm. And so what that means is there are going to be some twists and turns that aren't going to make sense and not be rational to people who don't understand the Lord. And so, um, and so I, you know, it's very easy to kind of get caught up in what I call kind of the American dream narrative here in the United States, um, when oftentimes God is asking us not to be fulfilled with our lives, but to be fulfilled with him. And so what does it mean to hear his voice and take the next step and trust him, knowing that he'll be with us 
he'll provide for us and that the best certainty we can have is in him. Yeah, that's true. And having lived in the Middle East where they're not so much thinking like this, um, what you described is, I think, a very big American problem, a very big Western problem where we were told before we graduate high school, you need to know what you're going to major in and you need to know this, you need to know this, and that puts that pressure on. Whereas in the Middle East, it's kind of, you know, whenever, whatever, you know, do it when you want to, and which is a, a bit frustrating for Westerners because we're so organized. Um, but there's a time where you can't put the Holy Spirit in a box and you have to just learn to trust God um, in the unknown. So it's something we Westerners have to work through as we go through life. Yeah, we're not very good at that. No, we're not. But God is certainly a God who, who guides as he leads. I wish he would invite me to the board meetings in heaven about my life where he's guiding me, but <laughs> he doesn't invite me. So, I, But it's okay because then that's faith and then that's trust. Yes. Um, how much would you say that your career in the Navy and then at Amazon has contributed to Minnow? Well, I think I, it's interesting, um, Allie, because there, I'd say, like, if I look at my career, there's sort of a sense that <laughs> there are times I'm like, none of this makes sense. Uh, and and uh, and yet I see kind of what I'm going through right now as we're kind of growing the company. And I recognize like I've got this incredible toolbox the Lord's given me because I have such a, a broad um, array of experiences. And so um, so much of like even managing the company through COVID-19, I'm drawing on lessons I have learned from the military about crisis management, because essentially, you know, leadership in the military, while, while peacetime, it's more of kind of a management mindset of just making sure everything is done right. Um, you know, you're you're steeped in what does it mean to do the right things under under duress and in crisis, um, because when you're at war or when you're in battle, um, you know, you're in crisis and lives are at stake. And so I think, you know, from a leadership standpoint, I learned a lot about staying focused on what, what's what's the end goal. What are we trying to accomplish? Mm -hmm. And then at Amazon, um, I, I really you know, Amazon was an incredible place to learn. And, um, and, and I was surrounded with some of the best and the brightest. I mean, I can go through, you know, a whole list of people that are running the best tech platforms in the world that I worked with. And so, um, so it was incredible to work with them. That was very confidence in, in you know, it was very confidence building the fact that I was able to kind of hang with those folks and actually work with them effectively. But then the second is just understanding the culture of the internet and the culture of digital. So many companies really struggle because they don't understand that the way that digital operates is completely different than say an offline business or a traditional business um, with a mindset towards measurement, towards experimentation. And so um, I think that plays a major role. And then one of the things that I have always discounted is, you know, I've always felt myself a little bit sort of off because I, I've always loved pop culture. 
And there's always been a sense of sort of this deep love of theology and helping church and discipleship, but also just loving pop culture. And so there's a sense of, you know, all that pop culture uh, interest has sort of come to play because, you know, so much of what we do at Menno is figuring out how can we take programming and create really fun programming for kids. Mm -hmm. And so um, there's a sense of, you know, taking that love of great storytelling and just, you know, pure fun. Um, and being able to work with my team and sort of how do we how do we create that in the lives of kids? Wow, that's amazing. Um, and, and it leads to my next question. In the New Testament, we see that Jesus placed a lot of emphasis on little children. Why do you think that is? Yeah, that that is something that has really um, hit home for me um, over the last couple of years, because, I mean, it's not been easy to get Minnow to where it is. And I definitely had my own wilderness experience. And um, and, and I think, you know, as grownups, we think, you know, it's all about organization, management. Um, it's about, you know, doing the right things and knowing the right things. And, you know, oftentimes I think we put more faith in our faith in God than actually putting faith in God himself. Mm -hmm. And I think when you, when you look at the lives of children, there's just a simple trust. And I think the Lord is calling us to that simple trust of trust me, um, be with me. Um, again, you know, I, John 15 has played a major role in kind of how I think about my life, that my life is not about outcomes, but it's about abiding in Christ and experiencing him. And when you look at kids, um, kids are not interested in sort of goal objectives as much as they are in just the pure enjoyment of the moment. And, um, and I think that's really important um, to understand because so much of what we struggle with as grownups in our faith journey is often an issue of can I trust in God's goodness? Can I believe that God is good and can I believe that God's in control? And if you look at most small children, they believe those things are true about their parents. They believe that their parents are good and they believe that their parents are in control. And so they don't fear. They don't deal with anxiety. And so um, you see that anxiety creep in when those two things are threatened. And so I think for us, what does it mean to trust God daily? Um, and what does it mean just to experience God today in, in the work and recognizing he's given me the opportunity to co-labor with him? Um, I think that's really kind of what's so critical about um, understanding what does it mean to be like a child in our relationship with the Lord. And then the other thing that I'm so passionate about at Menno is we have a tendency to discount the spirituality of kids mm -hmm. um, because there's sort of a sense of, hey, we just need to get them to behave correctly. Um, and, 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 you know, what, what I'm recognizing is um, there's a real spirituality to kids where God is speaking through them as well. And so I think that's the other thing is just recognizing sort of the wonder of God. Um, that kids often have a better handle on that than say we do, um, because there's a sense of the grownups, we sort of been there, done that, and we, and we take things for granted, where for kids, there's a real sense of sort of discovering things for the first time and recognizing the wonder that's in the world that the Lord's created. Yeah, that is true. And I think that there, there's a place for children in the church as there are for women's ministry or singles or the elderly um, ministry and sometimes like in generations past children were you saw them but you didn't hear them so they were supposed to be quiet at the table but God does work through them as well and they are spiritual beings just because they're younger doesn't mean that they don't matter and uh, when I was 
doing ministry in the Bekaa Valley of Lebanon, and there would be maybe 50, 60 uh, Syrian kids coming a day for the music time and to get a little bit of snack and juice. Um, I, I really sensed that um, they needed somebody to look up to. These kids had never gone to school before. All they know is stealing and working and helping to take care of their um, families in the fields. But there is something in the eyes of children of wanting to learn, of wanting to help, of wanting to grow. And um, there are children in parts of the world, the, the developing world or refugee children who have been displaced who don't get those opportunities. But I can see it in their eyes. And um, they're often the most forgotten ones. And then they have abuse. A lot of them are getting beaten at home or, and that's an, a Middle East um, issue. But when a child has ministering tools, it's a beautiful thing. And um, how do you think through the resources that you come up with for the children, like whether it's video or I guess interactive games? Uh, how do you think through creating content for the kids? Yeah, Ali, that's a great question. And, and we're really in the middle of uh, thinking through all of that. Um, the, the one thing that I think I can say is the church does not do a good job thinking through those things. Mm -hmm. um, and so, um, you know, we just launched Minnow in last November. And so, so much of it has been sort of getting out the door and um, using the programming that already exists. But what's interesting is we look at developing our own programming um, and we talk to um, children's media experts. You know, many folks who are making children's media, say Sesame Street, um, one of the probably the biggest and well-known production companies is a, a production company called Nine Story in Canada that does Blue's Clues and produces Daniel Tiger. And, and what you see in these companies is a real rigor around how do we First, how can we create fun for kids? But then the second is, how can that fun um, impact them in a way that can really benefit them and how they're sort of trying to navigate their world? And so um, as we've seen that, what I recognize within um, the church, we really don't necessarily take the same kind of rigor or intentionality around how do we develop um, programming and how do we develop media and technology. And so, so much of what we're doing right now is laying the groundwork so we can do that effectively. Um, and, um, you know, and even as you're talking about how, um, you know, thinking about children globally, like one of the things that I've been so impressed with, with organizations like Sesame Street and with Nine Story, is actually going into environments that are completely the opposite of sort of a Western environment and trying to learn and being willing to make mistakes and to understand that so many of the practices and the storytelling that they're doing here in the West don't really translate well. And so they've got to take a different approach. And so they're willing to do that. And so I think what we're really trying to do is what does it mean, you know, all this takes resources. So what does it mean to actually be smart about how we're budgeting, but then also how can we, how can we learn as much as we can from the mainstream market in regards to how they've approached how to what I'd call, you know, delight and disciple kids 
Um, but how can we how can we take those practices and understand what does it mean to really bring delight to kids, but effectively disciple not just here in the West, but also thinking about it globally. Yeah, um, that's really amazing because um, when you look at the Bible, uh, you have to understand it that it is through the lens of a Middle East mind. It is not through a Western mindset. Um, and so it's helped me to understand the culture a little bit more in the Middle East, uh, getting out of my Western mindset and coming into, trying to come into a little bit of a, a Middle Eastern mindset and how kids learn there is very different from Western kids, from kids in China or other places. So that's, um, that's quite fascinating. Are you doing any work in the Middle East region, um, working with any churches there? Not, not yet. Well, <laughs> well, we are, but not intentionally. So, so one of the things that's been interesting is we, uh, so we, about a month ago when, uh, actually it's probably six weeks ago, when um, uh, churches stopped meeting in the U.S. because of COVID-19 um, and because of my work in um, church planning, the one thing I felt like the Lord prompted me to do was make the make minnow available to um you know try to cr create a free experience of minnow where um, families could do church at home because what we recognize is most churches are actually going to struggle with what does it mean to take you know grown-up services um online and to be able to stream them well um but that you know the children's component of of that you know children were going to get lost in the midst of all that and so um, the team did a fantastic job um, trying to get an experience pulled together within 24 hours. So it was, I think it was actually March 13th. It was a Friday morning. I called my chief technology officer <laughs> at eight o'clock in the morning, driving into work. And uh, he's gotten to where he knows he shouldn't take those calls. <laughs> and, uh, and he said, yeah, I think we can do that. And so within 24 hours, they had launched a church at home experience on that Saturday. And then the team has taken that and evolved it. And what's been interesting is we've launched that. We've had probably 180,000 users globally in over 137 countries use Church at Home. Um, and, you know, and, and we, you know, we, we, we're headquartered in Nashville, Tennessee. And so, and, and our primary focus is the U.S. market. Um, but what's been interesting is as we've grown Minnow, probably 25% of our subscribers are outside the United States. And then when we've done church at home um, and made that freely available, we've seen, you know, massive global adoption of it, which has been super exciting for us. But then also has sort of heightened our sensitivities to the fact that when we're developing things for the church, we need to be thinking globally um, because, you know, as, as, as I say, so much, um, so much Christian children's media has been developed by white suburban creators mm -hmm. um, in, in the U.S. And so, so often, while the storytelling may actually have biblical truth in it, it's not done, the storytelling is not done in a way that resonates with the, the entire church. Mm -hmm. And so the question for us, I think, as we look at building out resources is what can we do for church at home to make it um, more usable um, globally. And so I've actually had conversations with leaders in South Africa, um, in Nigeria. We've had some interest in, in, in the Middle East, um, Asia. And so we're really looking at what can we do to improve our resources and make sure that they travel well versus just being U.S. centric. That's awesome. Um, 
so say a church anywhere in the world comes across Minnow's site and they want to get involved, get the resources, what steps do they take? Can you walk through that briefly? Yeah, absolutely. So um, if so, our website is gominnow.com and uh and we our church at home site is actually Menno church at home and so if they search for Menno church at home or they go to the go menno.com they'll actually see on our home page we've got church at home featured and so if they go to the church at home page there are a couple things that we have available to them um we've got a 30 minute it's anywhere from 25 to 40 minutes uh, video that we basically have curated, which is a combination of worship, um, Bible memory, uh, prayer, and um, fun biblical Bible lessons. And so they can just use that and make that available to um, to the members of their church. We have the the fastest selling children's Bible that's been published in the last uh, 20 years um, called the Menno Laugh and Grow Bible for Kids um, that was written by VeggieTales creator Phil Vischer. Um, we actually allow folks to download a chapter um, from that Bible each week. Um, and it's got coloring pages and activity pages. And then we make um, anywhere between three to four of our shows freely available. So we basically put those in front of the paywall, um, our subscription. So you don't have to have a subscription to access those shows. Typically, you'd have to have a subscription. And, um, and typically, one of those series is what we call the Menno five-minute family devotional. So a lot of parents struggle with having a devotional time um, with their kids. Uh, and so what we've done is we've taken sort of the elements of the devotional and sort of uh, condensed that down to kind of a three to five minute video. And that way parents can just watch that with their kids. And my experience with children is when you do that five minute family devotion, it can be something you can do in seven to 10 minutes, or it can end up in being a half hour conversation with kids. And, and the whole purpose of that is just to help there to be, you know, um, child discipleship within the context of the family. And then we have a bunch of activity sheets. So parents can download coloring pages, um, you know, scavenger hunt guidelines, crossword puzzles. And so all of those are kind of lower on the church at home page. And so all of that is freely available to the church globally. Wow. And it's free, right? All of these resources? Yes. Okay. Yes. I mean, our, our primary our primary business is a, a subscription business where it's sort of like um, Netflix, but for Christian kids. That's mm -hmm. our primary business. But we've made the church at home freely available and we'll continue to make it freely available for the church globally. That's awesome. Um, two last questions. Um, what have you learned in co-founding Nino? Like what has, <clears throat> has God worked on your heart about in this process? Yeah, so there, there are two things I start every day out because I feel like the Lord is continuing to help me recognize these things. It's the first is my life's not my own. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's very easy to think that our lives are our own. Um, and I think the, the thing that I have to kind of be reminded of because it's been such a hard lesson for me to learn is um, uh, God loves me. He, and he, he wants me um, and he's paid a price for my life. And so um, and that I've been built for that. And so if I feel like I'm having a hard time surrendering myself to him, that means I'm probably not enjoying the life that he has for me. And so um, so I think the, the first thing is that my life is not my own and that my ultimate fulfillment is in surrendering to him. And then the, the second is life is about abiding, not outcomes. 
um, because I mean, I'm, I'm very driven. Um, I've been very driven my whole career. And as I would say, you know, you know, I've always been rewarded for, um, you know, getting things done and leading teams. Mm -hmm. And I feel like one of the things the Lord's been teaching me is not to worry about business results or not worry about the growth of Minnow, um, or how a deal might turn out but just to trust him and recognize that those things are not my responsibility. I'm a means. I co-labor with him. I'm, he gives me the privilege of participating in what he's doing, but that's not my work to do. Um, that's his work to do. And so what does it mean for me to orient myself to co-laboring and pay attention? Cause I often say, you know, my, my, um, that the things where I get in trouble is where I feel like I have to say, I have to figure it out or I have to make it happen. Mm -hmm. And, and what I recognize is um, whenever I say that um, my approach needs to be, I need to be paying attention to what God's revealing. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so I'd say those are kind of the two major things that I've learned as we've um, co-founded Minnow. That's amazing. Uh, it's, is you, you build, but he guides, he leads, you follow. And it, isn't is there a baseball movie like if you build it they will come i forget that line yeah um, field of dreams yeah yeah so it's kind of like the same thing what you're doing um and seems that people are being blessed and that god had this call on your life when you were at the naval academy and didn't even know what minnow <laughs> meant no, it, I would have told people that they were crazy if they if they told me I was going to end up doing this. So um, and I still have to kind of pinch myself because it's hard to believe that I'm doing this. <laughs> um, but to your point, it's been so exciting to see what the Lord's been doing in the lives of families. And uh, and it's it's so exciting just to see, you know, most Christian families don't even know we exist because um, we just got started. But it's been so exciting to see when they discover us just what a blessing it is and how they had a desire for something that they, you know, they had a desire for something they didn't even know they had a desire for. And I think that's been what's so exciting to see God work through that. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, and the last question, uh, when you hear the name Jesus, what comes to mind? Mm. Um, well, Lord and Savior. I mean, those are the two things that, but when I say Lord, I don't look at that as, I, I look at that as um, friend mm -hmm. um, and guide. And so, um, so those are the first things that come to mind. Wonderful. Well, Eric, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. And it's really nice to know that someone's thinking about kids. Um, because while um, they are probably, kids are probably thought of, as you don't have anything important to say, although I think it's gotten better with the generations, I think they are really attacked in having dreams and nightmares. Um, and the devil knows that they are special to God. And um, yeah, there's someone out there thinking about their spirituality too, and that's amazing. Thanks, Allie. I appreciate that. Well, we're we're excited to have the privilege of being involved in this work, and we're grateful that you have had us on the podcast today. Of course. I hope you enjoyed this podcast conversation and that it fed you in some way to pursue your own dreams. Be sure to subscribe to Zayla Mag at zaylamag.com, S-E-E-L-E-M-A-G.com, where you'll be automatically entered to win our giveaways. And follow us on Instagram at Zayla Magazine. S-E-E-L-E -E magazine. Till next time.